Welcome to From the Platform. This is episode 13 on inclusion. I'm Naomi Reed, And I'm Tom Peel. And for this episode, we are breaking it down to two parts, starting off with part one, thinking about inclusion in terms of race, and then part two will follow in terms of thinking about gender. So yeah, we're going to apply our principles of self-awareness and listening to the concepts of race and gender and how we need to level up our listening in these situations and really take our listening to a level where we're understanding other people, where they're coming from, their life experiences up to this point, really rooting ourselves in other people's experiences to be able to listen and respond with awareness in certain situations. And I was thinking about trying to pull some examples together about when we do this already. And yeah, I was just thinking of times where we really raise our listening up a level. And I guess as a musician, there's elements to when you're in an ensemble or in a group of people that are playing music, that you really have to heighten your listening awareness to engage with the people around you. Um, You were telling me about the levels of listening thing, which I think really, really applies here. Yeah. So if you come across something that's... potentially not really what Christadelphians talk about. You know, it may seem a bit taboo, seems quite political and something that doesn't seem to be part of the general Christadelphian narrative, not something we generally talk about, kind of how you can respond to it in terms of different levels of listening. Mm-hmm. And this comes from a idea called Theory You by Otto Sharma. And he talks about these three ways of listening. He says that there's one type of listening called downloading, which is where the listener listens from what they already know. So there's a lot of walls up and the only thing that gets through are the things that they already have a knowledge of and a space for. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that might be like thinking about racism and being like, okay, well, I know racism is bad and I know that we as a community are all one in Christ Jesus. That doesn't make sense. Like... You know, if someone was physically violent because of racism, then yeah, that's bad. But I can't see any other reason why this affects us, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, The next type of listening is factual listening. And this is where the centre of your listening moves from the self more to the edges of what you know. So you're listening for kind of things that will disconfirm maybe what you know. You'll be like, okay, I'm going to actually start looking and reading some other stuff Mm -hmm. and finding some more information and seeing what that so it mostly confirms what you already know but you might notice a couple of things that don't correlate with what you already know and you're happy to think like oh i'm going to explore that yeah yeah it it enables you to go oh there could be something here that i don't understand Mm -hmm. and admit that and then yeah be receptive to it receive some more information some new information yeah so that's factual listening. And the third stage of listening is empathetic listening, where the centre of listening shifts away from you completely and what you know to the other person and how they experience the world. Um, from here, you forget your own agenda and you begin to attend to the situation through the eyes and experience of where the other person is standing. And I think that's really important, that kind of level of empathetic listening in regards to minorities and going, okay, what is it like to be you here? 
Like what week have you had? What did you deal with at work? What are the struggles that you have of being a, a black woman in the job that you have in the social group that you have? Mm. And what do you bring to church with you? And I think that's really important because church is about sharing each other's burdens. It's about bringing our entire week's experience to Christ. Mm. And, and if that if, experience is the issues of being a member of a minority, yeah. then that shouldn't be pushed away as taboo or no, political. No, no. That's a part of you and a part of your experience. Yeah. So those are really interesting levels of listening. And um, so I guess an example could be bringing up this kind of topic in the first place, because I guess quite a few people who maybe don't want to hear about this kind of thing or don't kind of think it's a relevant thing to talk about. So if you had sort of a young person come and say, you know, in Bible class, I want to talk about... I've been really affected by the Black Lives Matter protests that have happened. And I think it's really, I, I want to just like talk about it and maybe in Bible class or um, just want to know what the Bible says about it, for example. Like, is this a relevant thing that we should be talking about? Mm. So how would, so the first level of listening, what was that again? Uh, so yeah, the first level of listening is called downloading. And this is about listening from what you already know. So I'd probably listen to your concern and I'd think, well, what do I already know? I know that, as Christophans, we don't really protest. So I know that. I know that we should be content with what our life brings us. I probably think we don't get very political as a group. So mm. I think that's a big one, yeah. Yeah, so all these things that I know, like, don't really allow for your question to have any impact on me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd probably dismiss it and probably try and point you towards something about anti-protest, etc. So if I were listening from the second position, which is where I'm like going more to the edges of what I know and allowing some information in, I'd probably say, OK, well, what's new about this situation that makes it different? Mm. I could be open to listening more to... Yeah, is there anything the here maybe that I should take seriously? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Like, what is it here that I sh actually could be important? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I might say something like, has someone said anything racist to you from our church? Because that would be a cause for me to, to maybe do something about that, because that's mm. definitely wrong. Or maybe if they're a young person, you could say, like, oh, so have you been, have you been watching that on the TV then? And are your friends talking about it? That kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe you'd engage with some of the media if that young person was saying, I saw I saw this thing, you might look at it with them. Mm. Rather than completely dismissing it, you might allow yourself to see that thing and engage with it. So the third way of listening would be to Yeah, step outside of yourself and what you think is right and wrong and get into the space of the person asking the question. And that means probably asking them questions about how it's affected them on a day-to-day -day level, what emotions it's bringing out for them, and for you to try and embody that as well, and be concerned with not, not just the concern about Black Lives Matter, but the concern in the context of that person's life about Black Lives mm. Matter. Whether that, whether that person bringing that question to you is, is black or white or of a different ethnic minority will mean different things. But yeah, you're putting yourself more into their worldview and seeing things through their eyes. 
kind of allow it to be something that affects you mm. and maybe something that means you're going to change your mind about something or change mm. the way your attitude or the way you live. Yeah, like, so if you're watching any film, you're watching it through the eyes of the protagonist and you get involved in this story that they're living through and you understand that things happen in the movie. Like, oh, that's actually going to be really create an impact for that protagonist because I know the backstory. And that's the deep listening. Like, movie takes you there and it does it very in a very enjoyable and exciting mm -hmm. way for you. You have to kind of do that with that other person and use them as the protagonist of this story and, and you know, asking them questions about their life and how this affects them and getting into that kind of space allows you to be more emotionally engaged and aware of what that thing that to you might be a small thing or something that doesn't really have an impact on you becomes something that you actually understand through their eyes. Mm. I'm just wondering, is it within human capacity to do that for every single question ever, anyone ever has for you? That's really Don't interesting. Don't you have to be selective yeah. about this is what I'm going to spend my effort on. And and we've talked about so much in the podcast so far. The idea of changing your mind or changing your attitude about something is much, much bigger than that description would suggest. Like it's a huge like emotional thing that you have to go mm -hmm. through. So actually you have to be maybe be selective about what you choose to yeah. but I invest think, your I time think this in. is the idea of carrying burdens and walking alongside each other. The idea of Christ being the person who carries your your sorrows and your griefs is because he he's the what's the word in the greek um parakletos i think that's right which is the idea of the one who comes alongside you and there's like a legal element to that word as well in that he's your solicitor the person who supports you in court but also like in terms of a fraternal way of walking alongside you as your friend and companion and person who who goes through everything with you mm, and like taking you seriously yeah mm. taking you seriously absolutely like you say though raising our state of awareness to that all the time is sacrificial and it's very exhausting and you know maybe that's why christ has to go away and pray in the mountains at some points because he's literally like taking on all of that stuff from his disciples from the people he meets even in some sort of physical way when he heals people like it drains something from him mm. so what would you say for us well i think that how would we navigate it so we've gotten ourselves in a bit of a fix by being such a global society now, especially online and with social media. We are causing burdens for people because of our ignorance and because we're not listening on the other side of the world. And maybe we're trying to help people and listen to them when they're on the other side of the world, when potentially we should be more concerned about our immediate community, like locally, and this doesn't help by the fact that probably like we don't go to our local actual closest ecclesia. We go to the one that is probably less fatiguing mm -hmm. um, rather than have to go to the one that kind of drains us. And there's always, you know, there's two sides to everything. So there, there's certainly the case like you can't be drained every Sunday to have burnout and really suffer from that. But also it's kind of our calling is to bear mm. with each other and, and, and lift each other up. Um, and this is potentially where Brene Brown's advice on boundaries comes in, doesn't it? Kind of yeah. think about, yeah, I'm going to listen to people empathetically and I'm going to take on their burdens, but I'm going to give myself clear boundaries about where I take this um, kind of mentally and physically. Yeah. So listening to people really empathetically then, I guess, is also about being open minded to kind of new ideas. So our reflections really are on the more recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. A big focus of it is on systemic racism, which can seem like a really like harsh term and can seem a bit alien 
I think to a lot of people and can even make you feel a bit defensive like oh that's well that's not anything to do with me like I'm not racist especially as Christmas elephants where we, we say we're not of the world the system has exactly, nothing to do with yeah, us we yeah. don't get involved in the mm. system it's hard to see that it's a relevant thing to church. Yeah. But if you think about it, actually, any type of inclusion is potentially a bit of Achilles heel for the Christadelphians, particularly Western Christadelphians, who are a very homogenous group, aren't we? We're very white, very middle class, very academic. And with, you know, the traditional interpretations on things like women's roles, on politics... And those sorts of things are are kind of very conservative in a way, aren't they? So it almost sets up the general Christadelphian community in the West, at least, to be quite unaware of systemic racism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Do you because agree? we benefit from it so much. Yeah, I guess all that it's just not a kind of relevant thing that would affect the majority. Okay, so let's go back a bit here because I think we really need to hone in what we mean by systemic racism. Mm. So it's quite a charged term. It mm. f- feels quite alien and like it's, it sounds a bit grandiose as well it's like mm. is it it sounds a bit like a conspiracy theory yeah <laughs> like there's some sort of conspiracy against black people when actually like i know loads of people that aren't racist so what is it mm. what's this systemic racism that we're yeah, talking about yeah. and why do people see it as something that's so insidious about the way that we live our lives in the west so systemic racism is a difficult one because it's quite nuanced and quite subtle. It's not overt racism, like someone shouting something out of a window or graffiti on someone's front door or saying no black people allowed in our church. Okay, well, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate then here. You say it's subtle. I guess maybe a, a response that could be something like, is it subtle or is it just people nitpicking about mm. stuff? Is it just people being really like... Kind of wanting to make an issue when there isn't yeah, an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so remember the Bible class we both went to in which we spoke about the Black Lives Matter movement and the potential that there could be systemic racism within like the Christelphin community. And we had some really fascinating things that were said by some of the members of our church. So you, you look at the particular church that we go to and say, oh, yeah, you know, there's a good inclusive mix of people. It's quite multicultural. Whereas actually it really highlighted, hang on, all of the people of colour at our church are kind of just single people out of their whole families. You know, they're people who maybe came to CYC or joined Sunday school or, or maybe joined church a few generations ago but the whole group of yeah yeah with their their entire families or yeah yeah, or their whole social group and uh friend said a really profound thing he said look at who's not in the room you know he was saying you know none of my siblings kind of stayed and he he described it as you know look at who stayed look at who who endured kind of sticking around in a community that's not a part of your cultural background yeah and that really struck me and someone else was saying about the fact that most of their peers aren't Christadelphians anymore because they wanted to marry someone who was from their cultural background whereas if you know you're the only sort of four or five black British women in your cohort that's it you maybe want to go and marry people from your cultural background and Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful thing um so that really particularly opened my eyes to think gosh there is you know what you'd call maybe systemic issue so essentially we've kind of developed a culture within christadelphia where only a real few resilient people of color have kind of decided to stick around Mm. yeah so people who've sort of really been able to stick out the effort of being in a community that's not your cultural background. 
Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate again. What do you mean by effort there? Why, you know, surely it's an effort for all of us to get up and go to church and mm. and kind yeah, of it's, absolutely. It's a, it, is a, it is a service that we yeah. kind of... Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to play down the fact that for, in varying levels, going to church and being part of a community is an effort. Um, but our friend was saying, for example, when he used to go to youth weekends and anyone who is like a Christophian, yeah, kind of going along to a youth event or a camp and like we first get there and it's just horrifying, you know, like, ah, is the person that I fancy here? Have I bought the right kind of clothes? Mm-hmm. Um, will I get to speak to the cool kids? Um, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's so, especially as a teenager, there's so many things that you're worried about. Um, and our friend was saying that then also being the only black person in the room was like and just an extra effort and it felt like an extra obstacle to kind of overcome, to kind of fit in in that social situation. It's the kind of stuff that, for me, I would just never think about. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually there are all these things which are like an extra mm-hmm. effort. So that was your experience of a youth weekend and you're saying that on top of that you get the impression being black means you're also aware of just being the only black person in the room as well. And so for someone like me who goes to a youth weekend and is like really hyped up and excited and kind of very sociable, whatever your experience is, it's a layer that us as white people don't have to contend with and don't have as an obstacle. So what I've learned about in the last couple of months, the concept of microaggressions, which again, to me, just made me feel a bit defensive and think, well, aggression seems like a really loaded term. Like I'm never being aggressive to anyone that seems like a really purposeful Mm. thing to do but actually the concept of microaggressions is something that someone isn't meaning to be offensive but again it's that idea of effort on the other person's part Mm. so we have a friend who is of mixed heritage and she describes when she goes to a meeting that she's never been to before you know she will always be asked like oh are you Iranian someone might assume that she doesn't speak English someone will ask her if she's related to a particular Christadelphian speaker and that kind of thing and for her it's just like an extra effort of like just be like gritting her teeth and being polite through all those things mm-hmm. um and I guess sort of thinking, oh, have I got the energy today to be polite to some well-meaning old lady sure, who asked sure. me these questions? Or yeah. And if so, you've got a really intense job or you've had a really bad week, going to church and then knowing you're going to have to deal with the same question again. Yeah. which And again, asked innocently asked yeah, and yeah. people well-meaning who are potentially just trying to make conversation yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Which um, doesn't seem aggressive at no, all. No, absolutely. But I guess it's, it's more of a, maybe a, a better way of thinking about it is a friction, a micro-friction. Yeah, yeah. It's something that isn't necessarily meant as mm. as rude or, or racist, but it, it creates that friction. And when yeah, all that yeah. friction builds up, it's... It's, it's a bit like the last straw yeah, that broke the camel's back. They're along. all tiny, tiny little things, but they add up to maybe one day you think, oh, I can't really be bothered anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, yeah, yeah. I could go to a church down yeah, the I'll road. Yeah, go somewhere different, which yeah, yeah. has more people like me in. And yeah, or I'll just go to the place the rest of my family go to. Yeah, yeah. Or I yeah. won't go at all or mm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So all that, for me at least, like looking into those things has really struck me as something that is really important to think of in terms of the Christadelphian community and that it does have some relevance to us. Mm. Um, And I know when we had a really interesting Bible class chat, there were a few people who wanted to say, well, what's our our action point? Like, what are we going to do about this? And I think there's a real danger of being tokenistic 
And like we were joking, weren't we, about the idea that maybe if a few ecclesias had this discussion after the Black Lives Matter resurgence in May and made maybe tokenistic decisions of, oh, well, we'll just book some more speakers of colour instead and the sort of two, two well-known <laughs> Christadelphians in the UK yeah. um, just get their diaries booked up for years and years. So just going back a second to that idea of um, these, like, these frictions that are caused, these microaggressions, as far as I'm aware, the idea is that when you step into a space where you are a minority, you are constantly aware of the frictions that could come your way and how you're going to have to deal with them. Mm, like having to preempt stuff. And yeah. having to preempt them and, yeah, and have, like, know what to say when, when, it, when it happens or know how to deal with them. And that sets you at a heightened level of awareness when you're in that room. And that can be fatiguing and draining. Mm. And like what we were saying before about sharing each other's burdens and carrying those things, if we too educate ourselves and are aware of what these things that cause frictions are, we can alleviate the, mm. that person yeah, yeah. of that tension that they're feeling and carry those burdens. And if they can trust us, if I can come here, I know that the frictions are not going to be here, then that maybe makes me want to invite my friends, other people that are in minorities that might mean that it's easy for me to invite my family back. And it's that element of, yeah, sharing that fatigue that can be experienced by one minority and, and bearing it for them by being mm. aware. Yeah, definitely just kind of having that awareness. Um, and another kind of way forward that struck me is um, the idea of culture change. And Tommy, you listened as well to uh, Karen Ram's little faith podcast, the Beyond Religion mm-hmm. one. And oh, I thought it was so good. It was absolutely on point. And um, so he talks about the fact that so often when we create religion and we create community, actually it all just comes down to like groupthink and what are the social norms that we've developed amongst ourselves. And actually those things are prioritised rather than actually what are the teachings of the Bible or what are the truths and what is it to be a follower of Jesus Christ is one thing that he says, as opposed to just what are the socially acceptable things that we do in our group. And I remember another very wise person saying, this was a few years ago, that in their opinion, they felt that Christadelphians weren't going to last beyond the next generation. And that's because there was no culture change, that the culture and the traditions of Christadelphia were too closely intertwined with what we call the truth. Mm. So actually, any new people kind of um, wanting to become Christadelphians don't just have to believe the, you know, the statement of faith and that kind of stuff. They have to become a Christadelphian to really Mm. feel comfortable Mm. and fit in. And when we think of in terms of one of the most dramatic things to happen in the Christadelphian community here is that loads and loads of new Christadelphians are all um, Persian. They often come from uh, like an Iranian background. And in Birmingham in particular, at least before lockdown, we had a rota where four different churches in Birmingham would host like a Persian service, essentially, or have a big group of of Iranian members. yeah. Yeah, would attend that church kind of in a rota. And on those Sundays, the culture of the church was so different Mm. because, you know, a lot of them are young men who go to the gym and are really cool and they dress really trendy, uh, maybe have a little smoke outside, all that kind of stuff. And we went from having a table laden with some lovely cheesecakes 
some salads, some lovely fried chicken, that kind of thing too. Like a huge table of people cooking up Persian stews and piles of Domino's pizza and saffron rice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Saffron yeah. Rice, Loads of yeah. takeout, like just getting shipped in because yeah, there were so just many trying of to them. feed so many people. Yeah. And the service was quite chaotic. Sometimes you'd have people come along who were brand new to the country who had never experienced They'd literally been there a few days. Yeah. They, who'd yeah. never experienced a Christian um church service before, didn't know you're supposed to be quiet in the prayers. You know, sometimes if we couldn't have an interpreter, they would literally just be sat there enjoying the company, not you know, being aware yeah. of what was going on. Yeah. So it meant that the culture of the church had to change so dramatically for that Sunday. However, that's what it takes to bring in new blood, as it were, <laughs> actually, in terms of if if your priority is for the Christadelphian faith to grow, it has to change. Yeah. And we have to separate what is the truth, capital T, what are the teachings of the Bible, what does it mean to follow Jesus, yeah. and what are the traditions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's not to play down traditions because there's a lack of ritual in the modern Western world. And as we talked about with Levi, like it's those traditions and those rituals are really, really important for your spiritual life, but it's being aware that they are rituals and they are traditions yeah, and they are yeah. not entwined with actual teaching and also maybe being eloquent about why that tradition is important to you and like saying i want you guys to embody this silence during this moment because it can do this for you or it does this for me yeah That's and it can, it can do me. it for and you it might not yeah. but also then being aware of the fact that you're going to probably have other rituals that need to be implemented, that you're going to have to embody that uh, are different and share them with whatever those things are. Mm. It makes me think like, yeah, if you want more black people in your church, you have to understand black culture. You have to embody some of those rituals. You have to participate in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and kind of whatever it ends up looking like, kind of embracing that the culture of your church might change. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that... That's not a bad thing and it's just something that means that more people feel comfortable in that space and you can be more inclusive. So that concludes part one of this podcast. Second episode will be ready next week um, and we invite you to listen to that as well. And I'd just really like to stress the point that we are a body and the body needs to listen to itself, its internal health where it hurts and nurture those areas that are in pain or where there's built up energy ready to be released and used and cultivated. You need to be active in your listening, raise that state of awareness, be aware of who's in the room and hear things from their experiences. Because when we do that, it removes those frictions and obstacles to their sense of belonging in our community and as you said that might mean changing things culturally becoming more aware of what is a creature comfort of the white western middle class that could be altered in some way to make people feel more like they could fellowship and join our body of christ similarly to the analogy i used at the start with the ensemble if we can't hear the rhythm section or the melody we're going to become out of time we're going to lose a sense of the wholeness of the piece and we're just going to 
end up playing our own thing in the corner when actually there can be a much richer and dynamic experience when everyone comes together, is listened to and is listening to create something really beautiful. So we'll leave you with uh, Levi's message about the other podcasts available on the WCF platform. And we'll post the other half of this conversation in about a week. Thanks. Thank you.